0: All right, hey guys, my name's Justin Bishop and uh, I'm gonna do a little podcast with my friend Jonathan Hernandez. And our goal here is to have an impromptu discussion between two moderates, or actually no, sorry, not two moderates, but a moderate and a a diehard Republican and Jonathan um, about just political matters. And the goal is to show people uh, that people that disagree wildly on uh, political matters can remain civil and uh, have awesome discussions and be friends. Um, I just wanna start by saying that Jonathan is a great friend of mine. I respect him a lot, uh, despite our disagreements in politics and politics and other issues. Um, we came into this, we didn't have any script. This is completely unscripted, entirely impromptu. Um, we're not here to have a gotcha moment or anything like that. Our, we are totally open, both of us, to changing our minds if uh, one of us presents new information or new perspectives on an issue. Um, this is not meant to be a debate for anyone to win necessarily. It's just a, a discussion where we're both open to the possibility of changing our minds. Um, I'll go ahead and start with Jonathan. Jonathan, <laughs> can you sum up your perspective on the Trump presidency? Re- reflect for me the Trump on the Trump presidency.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity to come on your podcast. I agree with you wholeheartedly in the sense that although we, we may disagree, we might be on different ends of the political spectrum, I do think it's important to have very civil conversations about politics. And I'm very big in that. I work with the Republican Party, specifically with the college Republicans. And I'm that's one, one of my biggest goals, to have those tough conversations that people don't want to have about politics and Sally it's become a, a bit uncivil but I think I'm glad you and our friends been good friends here at OC so I appreciate the time to come speak and have a quote you know or an actual civil conversation. but to answer your question about the Trump presidency, well obviously the result is he is a one-term president. but even in a small time of being president there's a lot of things that we can unravel. There's a lot of accomplishments, and there's also, with any presidency, there's also downsides to that presidency, but I think President Trump did a good, fantastic job in accomplishing the things that he said he was going to do. If we, if we want to go into but, terrorism, we can go into terrorism. I mean, yeah. Trump did an amazing um, job against the fight against terrorism, now, you know, mm-hmm. across the globe, getting rid of al-Baghdadi, getting rid of... um Soleimani and another terrorist who was the Yemen, um, basically the ISIS for Yemen. So you can rid of three most wanted terrorists in the world and making this.
0: Yeah, I close. I can I can agree with you that you know, um. We had a clear intent from our. Leadership uh, from the president to to eliminate those threats, and I think we did a pretty pretty decent job of handling international terrorism. Um, and I Ooh, that was a voice cry, but I, I think we've done an okay job in that sense. And you know I don't I don't have much to say in in that regard. There's not much bad to say. Um, See so so now, okay, they, job we did a good took, job. They took bold actions. They accepted risk. Uh, sometimes I mean with the Iran strike what well, wasn't in iran it was in iraq but with the, with the soleimani strike i mean it was pretty controversial and i'm not fully decided if if i think that's a risk that i would have taken um, personally I, i'm not a hundred percent decided um, but what i will say is there were many threats that were eliminated my concern is with domestic terrorism okay um i can tell you without a shadow of doubt I, I just recently wrote a paper that required me to, to look into this information um, very carefully, very closely. My paper was not on matters of right-wing domestic terrorism specifically, but I saw a lot of it. Um, I will say there was a, I will not say a statistically significant, I will say an eyeball significant because I want to keep everything honest here. Okay, I, I didn't run a statistics check to see, oh, there was a spike here. I will say I physically witnessed a significant spike with my own eyes um, in a tool called the Global Terrorist Database. It is a third party tool um, that tracks terrorism, that tracks terrorist incidents. Now to be clear, um, some of these incidents are only suspected terrorism in the sense that they might not perfectly meet uh, the definition of terrorism. Some of these incidents um, are victimless, in, in the sense that you know there are no casualties. Some of these incidents involve mass, sorry, mass casualties, like uh, the church shooting with, uh, um, I think his name was Dylan, uh, but that individual. He, he was a pro-Trump individual to my knowledge. Um, it did provide information about the perpetrators of these events um, and the reasons behind them. I will say since about 2015 and 2016, We have seen a significant, visible spike in right-wing terrorism, white supremacist terrorist acts or planned attacks, Um, and specifically, it's kind of shocking to see a sitting president's name in the global terrorist index in this way. I don't think I've seen it. In that, I have hand, I have siphoned through by hand or by mouse. basically every domestic terrorist event that has occurred in this country uh, since 1980 by hand. I've I've seen the perpetrators. (laughs) Um, I don't have them written down or documented, but in order to fulfill the requirements for my research paper that I was writing, I had to go and look by hand and check the perpetrator groups to ensure and verify that it was domestic terrorism um, that I was talking about and not an international associated event. To see a sitting president's name, to see a (laughs) pro-Trump terrorist, it it literally says perpetrator group, (laughs) pro-Trump, and to see that spike in the past years, a lot of people, I I think maybe missed the national security threat that his rhetoric created. (laughs) Um, I truly believe that words matter. And if you don't think words matter i point anybody to the national i mean sorry to the global um terrorism database you can see it it's there this isn't this isn't a right wing or a left wing thing this is a national security database it's not owned by the government i will say that but it is a third party thing they just record terrorism that's all they do up until 2018. so what what do you what is what is your response to that because i've i've had this discussion and and nobody has given me an answer that satisfies me and i don't mean this as a debate as a gotcha thing i just i'm just saying nobody has given me a satisfying response to physical data that tells me that this this is a new thing that is happening white supremacism as far as violent white supremacism that is increasing pro-Trump terrorism has increased. What is the explanation? How do you, how do you feel about that?
1: Well, I'll start. I'm going to start with a couple things. First, I'm not an expert in terrorism, domestic or international. That's not my strong suit. That's good. So I'll start there and, and and start with that little disclaimer. There, this is probably obviously you're stronger student than I am, so you're probably more aware of the data,
0: but all those statistics out there. Yeah, for the people listening, again, that, that that's my thing. So I I, I don't want to make this a thing where I I try to have a gotcha thing with Jonathan. I'm just presenting information that concerns yeah. me based on my expertise. He's yeah. gonna get me on the tax stuff. Trust me. That's- so <laughs> no, good. Yeah, but
1: but here, but let's let's let a couple of things. I think that a lot of times. Well, the first thing is correlation does not mean causation. So just because Trump is in office and we see a, an increase, and we agree there was an increase in rhetoric, I don't I think that equates to, well, now he is basically causing domestic terrorism, right wing mm-hmm. terrorism. I don't agree with that. Matter of fact, he's actually denounced him and said, these are bad people. Mm-hmm. And he has said that consistently. He has denounced white <clears throat> supremacy. So he says, I don't want David Duke's endorsement. I don't care. And I think that's the biggest thing that people have to look at. I mean, just because someone does something and has some type of identification with someone, does that mean that that person's responsible? So that's an example of this someone told tell me about. So it was with Justin Bieber, and I know this is a weird analogy, but, but there's, there's precedence to this. When Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez were dating, and when they broke up, do you blame Justin Bieber, right, all his fans, when they're hating on Selena Gomez and telling her these nasty rude things, and telling you know go kill yourself or whatever, or you fat pig or whatever. I'm, I'm putting in words, whatever the case is. Do I
0: blame Justin Bieber
1: for his terrible fans? Correct. Would you would you blame him? The
0: consistency is they're all his fans, right? They're all Justin Bieber fans. It it depends on what Justin what he exuded. You know, if he exuded that type of persona where, where he would suggest to his fans that that is okay or was complacent with that, um, but Trump, or made that seem like that was okay, then there's a problem. Um, if he didn't, then, then you can't quite blame him. No, you just can't. Then I see what you saying. So let's go to this. Has
1: Trump directly said, go and shoot up people or go and hurt people? I don't think he necessarily okay. has to. Oh, she doesn't have to. Student. No. So let me ask you a question. So when there was a left wing terrorist, domestic terrorist, that actually shot at a baseball game, mm-hmm. for example, Steve Scalise, who was the majority whip in the House, and it was a Bernie supporter, is, does that get blamed on Bernie, on this on Bernie
0: Sanders? I think we have to look at Bernie's rhetoric okay. and compare it to Trump's. Well, I don't. I, I, I would say no. You, you definitely, I, I would not blame Bernie's supporters and I wouldn't necessarily blame Bernie, but Bernie's lawyers aren't calling for trial by combat in front of a mob of pretty much armed um, individuals. So I've never heard of Bernie surrounding himself with individuals um, like that. I've never heard of Bernie exuding any sort of rhetoric that would um motivate people to call for arms i could be wrong i
1: think there's a difference between saying that you respect the second amendment and going around and say grab your guns and we're going to go and take up and take back our country or we're going to take them back and take away from those godless people because Trump never did that mm-hmm. so i think that's the biggest thing to to say, say, Trump has not said... As a matter of fact, he's even denounced these acts. Let's say, for example, the situation with Charleston. Mm -hmm. They took a little snippet about, well, there's good people from both sides. Talking about Antifa and the white nationalists. Yeah, can you expound upon that? What did he actually say in full? What he said in full, if you look at the not edited clip or not cut clip, what he was talking about is, so you have, there's one side that says, Let's take down the statues, and then there's another sign that says, "Keep the statues up." And both sides, there are people, there are everyday people, just like you and me. For example, in your case, I don't want to put words in my foolish say For example, let's say you want the statues to go down, mm-hmm. and, and and in a case for this scenario, I'm again, I'm just, just throw just for a second. This of is the a Yes, you... I say I want the I want the statues to remain. I think they're part of history, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say we go to Charleston. <clears throat> There are people like you and me that went there and said, There are people on your side that are peaceful that said, tear down the statues. And there were people peaceful on the other side say, keep the statues up. Those were the people that Trump, President Trump, was talking about with, that there was two people, there were two, there were good people on both sides. So he didn't say there's only bad people on the left side, or only bad people on the right side. No. He said there's both, there's good people on both sides. However, I denounced the acts of people that committed violence because violence should be condemned a hundred percent so he condemned both the the white nationalists and the antifa both are hate groups and so that's what he did and of course Mia thought it was a food frenzy of going ahead and, and try to tear them apart on that but really they edited that clip and did not play the full audio of that clip and i think that right there was a big deal there's a narrative there's a narrative being produced, and that's why I don't agree with this notion about well his rhetoric causes things when the media every single day, single-handedly, try to put this man and compare him to Hitler. When I see on MSNBC that that you know, MSNBC that what's happening on the border is similar to what they're doing at the Holocaust. That is hyperbole and if anything, it's slander, because it's not the same case. To compare Trump to Hitler is ridiculous. Trump has never got his way to say, let's put people in, in internment camps. Let's kill certain groups of people because of who they are. He's never done that. Especially, and that's a big offense of the fact that he has people that are actually Jewish in his family. To even suggest that I think is disgusting. Not saying you are, but those people and the left have. So I think that's the biggest thing to consider when we're talking about this terrorism domestic terrorism conversation on that fact and saying this is
0: what's happened so it, it still poses the question though I, I i kind of get your analogy with the selena gomez justin bieber thing or the bernie thing i get where you're going but we're talking about the subject of terrorism it takes quite a bit to motivate somebody to resort to a terrorist act or planning a terrorist act um, When I see a trend of pro-trump 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 on the list I'm not just seeing white supremacists. I'm not just seeing because honestly it to be fair that could be a response to, to backlash from the Obama administration That's not to say Obama did anything bad. The Obama administration, whether you like it or not, that's not a reason to be a white supremacist terrorism. So I'm not saying, oh, they're justified because they don't like Obama, I get it. No, that's terrible, Like that's stupid. You don't get to be racist just because you don't like the the black president. You don't get to do that. Um, But, so there was a spike is what I'm saying. Who caused it, whether it was backlash or whether it was a response, unsure. Um, But when I specifically see pro-Trump, Dude, <laughs> there there has to be something wrong.
1: I think, there has to be something wrong. Well, I will say, when you have someone that's actually condemned that violence and said, No, I'm not for violence, no, I'm not for violence. Take even an example of January 6th, he says, You know what? Go home, guys. Be peaceful. We, we respect
0: the police force. But why does it keep happening? It's, I think is what? Are there dog whistles? Is it like what? Because a lot, what a lot of people on the left and kind of in the middle would suggest is that there are dog whistles in his rhetoric. I can't give you a specific yeah. example. I don't have transcripts of yeah. all and, of his and, speeches. And that's what I'm saying. And that's but,
1: the biggest thing. You know, say he's dog whistling. I don't think he is. I think if you get, if after a Trump speech or when he speaks, if your thought is to, I'm mean, going to, Trump is telling me to go shoot people. And he's never said that. I mean, at what point are we still going to keep saying, yeah, it's Trump, it's Trump, it's Trump. It's like, huh, maybe it's a sentiment, like the January 6th, you know, raiding in the Capitol, you know? What was that all about? I mean, there's always clips of people there saying to the Capitol Police, why don't you do something? Why are we letting these people destroy or, or break in
0: to our Capitol? Even Trump said, go home. He said in the video, he said, go home. Oh, oh well, we got a backup. up. He, he did not initially say go home. Uh, I, the first tweet that I saw, I'm not going to say this on the record, like this is the first tweet he made. I, I don't remember. Um, but as I was watching in my home, about an hour and a half or so from D.C., um, <laughs> the the first thing that popped up on the TV was this is what happens we know for a fact um that he was trying to stall that vote that that's a fact uh we know for a fact that the vice president called for the capitol to be cleared and didn't receive much support from the president himself because the president was mad at him um The go home only happened after I assume his aides or advisors said, Mr. President, you have to tell them to go home or you may not be the president. That that is the only reason I can concoct that he would have made that
1: statement. I think cooking up and response without all the information, I think is not a good response or or a good um, suggestion, I guess is the way. Because we're never going to know all that happened.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And now that well, I think I'm sure there's a gallery of them storing Trump tweets and to go back and that would take a bit to do it, but but he did and he told him to go home. I mean, that's my thing. I mean this is the age that we're in. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it here. I'm not sure if we're at the time are we at the time. We can go for a little it. more. Uh, I've got plenty of time. Okay.
0: So it stops when you have to yeah. stop.
1: I think the biggest thing is I think that's what the intent is, right? Trump went out there, said, so you know what, guys, you need to go home. He even talked about the fact that we we respect the police. We respect law enforcement. Go home. I think all that together says something right there. Say, hey, guys, and we are. Our side, and I say the side, the right side. When I say the right side, I'm talking about politically, not the, like, oh, we're right, you know? But the political right side, we have been known, and, and our Rhetoric is we respect the police. We respect the police force. I still stand by that. And I think there are people that are willing to say, you know what, those people, what they did, was wrong, it's bad. It should never happen again. And they should arrest them. Yeah, they already have. And I'm, and I'm glad they have. Because what they did was wrong. But to keep them say, well, he did all this rhetoric and
0: blah, blah, blah. I just don't see it. I don't see it. I will close with this. Um, I'm gonna go back and address your statement, um, your your analogy with Justin Bieber and Bernie Sanders in that situation. What makes the President of the United States different from those individuals is he is a leader. He's a leader of our armed forces, of our government, of the executive branch of our government. He is the head of that branch. He he leads our government. Um, leaders are held to an entirely different standard than a civilian or a subordinate right Um, I will say vaguely in the military I know that a leader is responsible for everything that his or her subordinates accomplish and everything that they fail in you don't get to sit one out. In the same way with the president of the United States, that individual carries responsibility for everything the country uh, succeeds in and everything we fail at, socially and culturally, economically, militarily, all of it. And so you have to ask yourself why why is there that cultural friction? Why is that cultural problem there? Why are we seeing pro-Trump terrorists? And not some, but quite a few of them. Why are we seeing a, I'm not saying you're part of that pro-Trump culture. I'm saying, I'm I'm just gonna categorize them as a violent pro-Trump culture. Why does that exist in the prevalency that it does? um and why do we not hold a leader accountable if a, if a if a law enforcement or a military leader had a culture within their unit where individuals were beating their wives or conducting immoral acts and their supervisor or commander comes to them and says hey what's up with your people why is why is what what is going on in the culture of your organization or in your leadership where we're complacent to this and this can happen i guarantee you that leader is not telling people to beat their wives or to do immoral acts guarantee if anything they might say stop guys but why is that culture so prevalent in that place the leader is responsible no matter what. I mean, that's just kind of how that type of thing, that's just the mentality in those circles. The leader is also always responsible for, for every good or bad thing that happens. Um, but the question still falls on that leader. What is wrong with the culture here and why have you not found an effective way to fix it? That That's just... That's my perspective. All right. Uh, do you do you have any closing comments on that? Then we can move on to taxes. Oh, we're oh we're gonna keep going. Okay,
1: okay. I'll, I'll cut it. Like, Unless okay. you don't have time. No, no, you know we're good. Well, I think the biggest thing is to look at is I don't think that what followers or a certain person does is explained by. A common theme. So in this case Trump like I guess I don't know I would have to look mm. at these cases there are times that they will put something you know violence and you know, I, I don't know how, how they do this whole you know domestic terrorism system I don't know I'm not I guess I'm not an expert in this so I'd have to look at it some mm. more but it's very interesting but I would say I don't think actually I don't think looking more like staying consistent, I'm gonna stay consistent. Being consistent, I don't think that what followers do with certain people or a certain person, that person is responsible for those actions, even if they're the ones that have denounced it, denounced it, denounced it. Mm-hmm. So, can they need to improve? sure. All but right. but, but can fall, blame be fall 100% on them? <laughs> no, so. All right, that was an
0: intense one. All right, taxes. Taxes. Let's go back. The, recap me on the job that you think uh, uh, the president did on taxes, and we will we will go from there. Okay.
1: Well, taxes, and you look at it, he said he's going to lower taxes. He did lower taxes. We saw companies get bigger paychecks, to bonuses and everything. That's what you want. That's yeah. the whole deal of capitalism. That if you cut regulation, cut the red tape, lower taxes, you see actually... The employee or employees actually get their wages actually go higher. Mm-hmm. Businesses actually invest more which means they're going to uh, say build a new store. And what does that mean? They're going to have new employees. New employees means more products. More products means more customers. More customers they buy stuff and you put in the market so it's a cycle. I think that's the biggest thing to remember about tax cuts. And in addition to that the fact that we saw the lowest unemployment rate
0: we've seen and five decades. Well, that's my next thing. That's my next thing. Okay. But, but if you want to use that in support of your tax statement, yes, that's fine. I just I just want you to know we're, we're going to have a yeah, whole, that, another, that's totally good. whole other thing with so, that.
1: But with the lower tax, you see the lowest unemployment rate for minorities. That includes black people, black Americans, African Americans. That includes Hispanic Americans. That includes Asian Americans. You fill in the blank. Americans overall, across the board, no matter what race or ethnicity or background you are, saw and experienced the lowest unemployment rate we've ever seen since recording this data and you think the lower taxes helped
0: correct okay you have anything else no i'll let, let you see i'm curious what you have to say about that um i have to admit so i i have family members that work for contracting companies government contracting companies and i will say under the president um sorry under the trump administration I saw two things. Um, I saw at first, paycheck was kind of normal, income was kind of normal, and then it did go up later on with the change in leadership. Um, With that being said, not every company, not every business owner is going to be selfless in that regard. Um, It doesn't seem like taxes based on my understanding, were lowered for the little guy as much as they were lowered for larger corporations. That's my understanding. I could be wrong. Um, but my understanding is that taxes were lowered basically for wealthier individuals that were owning these companies with the intent that their businesses would thrive, their, their, yeah, that their companies would thrive, and therefore the employees and have larger paychecks, they could hire more people. Um, and put more people to work. Is, am I kind of understanding that that's the intent? Yes, of that plan? but there was tax cuts for the little
1: guys. But if you're talking okay. percentage-wise, of course, when you're only paying a smaller percentage and you always see your your tax only really went down <clears> one <throat> or two percent, well, it looks small compared to the bigger guy that's paying way more than you, but has a business. And then they see a five, six, seven percent reduction in that tax rate going down of course it's going to look bigger, but everyone got those tax cuts. But of course you're going to see an increase more tax cuts higher up because those are the people that are hiring.
0: Those are the business owners.
1: Hmm.
0: I don't know. I mean, I, I I have to say, I mean, I, I do think that we saw um, economic improvement and I did notice some of the effects of the tax cuts Cuts that occurred, um, so I can't really argue with you a whole lot, like on that point. Um, I'll let you pick that up. Okay. Jonathan was playing with a little roly thing and it fell on the floor. Um, I, I I really can't. Uh, if this were a debate, I couldn't really rebel you very very hard, to be honest with you. Um, my main concern was that you know the little guy. I, from what I heard from personal experiences, not not necessarily from actually looking at the information. To to be honest with you, uh, my focus is more on conflict. That's why I wanted to hit that terrorism thing real quick because, um, I can I can understand that. But with with taxes, I mean I've only heard from like family members and things like that. Basically, they said no. My some people's taxes went up. Basically, is what I'm saying. Um, that's just from personal face-to-face like family members and friends and stuff that that reported to me hey my taxes actually rose um, during the Trump administration uh, for whatever extraneous factors I'm not sure exactly what went into that well there were some. I believe there and I might be wrong I can't remember but there were some states that got hit
1: a little hard so like more your like super blue states mm-hmm. but that's because of their tax codes the way their tax codes are written mm-hmm. some of them end up paying a little more taxes Overall, I mean, you see people being employed more, you see higher wages without government intervention. Because I'm big on that. Let's go. Government intervention is better. Without government intervention, without actually having said, hey guys, we're going to do a $15 per hour wage, you see companies doing it on their own. Maybe not $15 per hour, but they raised it because they have more money to invest, more bonuses to give. So I think that's a big thing to keep in mind.
0: I actually want to tack the unemployment just to, just I, I guess I just kind of want to talk about the economy in general um, But you, you made the point about unemployment um, How it went down one of the concerns that I have uh, with that is Do you feel that President Trump was benefited by some of the success of the Obama administration and helping Grow the economy. Yes and no. Do you feel that? Let's start from there. It, it unpack that for me. So, yeah, look at some of the biggest things. So the first
1: thing is, under Obama, we actually, I believe it was, here here's two point five up to three times triple the national debt. So we went from about, I want to say it was probably about, was eight million, and then we got to about twenty two million. That in itself actually does not help. That's how inflation starts. That's how you lose the value of your dollar. Now, of course, people argue with Trump they didn't do it any better. Well, everyone since Reagan, since Reagan has been horrible. Unless you're talking about Bill Clinton, but Bill Clinton also slashed a third of our military. But you look at every president since then, they've actually done a horrible job at actually quote unquote balancing the budget. So that's actually really bad economically speaking. Mm-hmm. The bailouts back in 08. I mean, you you had very high unemployment rates during then. But I think if you look at the fact that when you see all these companies responding to tax cuts, I think that's a big thing to consider that we got so, so low. I think that's
0: a big factor to that. So you're still kind of reflecting back to the whole tax situation, like you, you think that played a massive That part. plays a big role, that does play a big role. One of the concerns that I've had is, you know, the, the Trump presidency, um, let me say this, taking credit for the progress of the previous administration, which I will say just about every presidential administration that finds any success does, A lot of times, maybe not every, but a lot of times you find presidents taking credit for things that they didn't do, or that somebody else did, or partial credit, however it might be. Um, But but that's that's one of my concerns. You know, one of the arguments that I've made before: I'm not a fan of everything that Obama did. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican either. That's kind of the whole point of this thing. But you know. When I think of like, I'm gonna kind of switch gears a little bit and then come right back, but it it just helps me to make my point a little bit. So under the Obama administration, for example, there were greater environmental regulations Um, and we were moving towards a greener America. Um, And we were managing to do that. We were managing to regulate whether you like regulation or not, I'm not making I'm not necessarily trying to advocate. I will advocate for, for making things greener and helping the environment. Um, but regular regulation abroad, like just just generalized overall. I, I'm not necessarily advocating just for all regulation. What I'm getting at though, is he managed to improve the economy while regulating simultaneously. I don't think people understand how great a feat that that is. whether, whether or not you like the regulations, uh, we can debate that. But would would you say, would you acknowledge that that has some significance to be able to regulate and find economic improvement um, simultaneously, improvement that goes into unemployment, into GDP. I mean every every aspect. Um, would you acknowledge that that is an accomplishment? i mean, sure. I mean, anytime
1: in G- some sense. I mean, if you're if if you see a trend. Of an employee going down, that's something had to be done, right? Mm-hmm. So, obviously, that's good.
0: The idea that regulating does something, I don't think it does. Oh, well, let me rephrase I'm not saying the regulating helps the economy. What I'm saying is the regulating puts prote- certain protections in place uh, in a lot of ways for employees um, and the common citizen. Um, while at the same time growing the economy. So protecting the little guy, basically, while growing the economy. My concern with the Trump administration and their method for economic growth is you just hear about cutting, cutting everything, including regulations. I get it. You want to roll back some of the bureaucracy. But I got... I'm going to use a non-academic word here a vibe basically that we're cutting for the sake of cutting regulations just just for the sake of it more as a a show thing more so than it was let's reasonably sit here and look at this and think what do we need and what do we not need to protect people
1: so can you give an example of something that Trump got rid of regulation
0: wise that you think was not
1: why so
0: that you disagreed with probably dead serious with you no no i can't give you like an immediate like okay. he cut this or cut that regulation i can say um for example like i live in an industrial town for example and there is a new factory there are two new factories developing in my town and we have no zoning laws in our town so that factory that newest factory is going to be the largest installation factory of its kind in the world <laughs> is going to be about 15 minutes from my house um I'm not saying I necessarily blame Trump for that, but I have a hunch that some of that anti-regulatory attitude is partially responsible for that. Um, My point is, is I know that President Obama was regulating, which some people don't like, but he was still helping to improve the economy. The economy was still managing to improve. Now, President Trump is cutting regulations which I assume are to protect individuals um, and also finding economic growth I just I have concerns with that so what what do you say to that
1: well like I said I mean obviously when you have any unemployment going down that's always a good sign mm-hmm I think the biggest thing to remember is if you look at what we're talking about regulation wise cuz I think you were talking the environment, right? Even if something in the environment. Even under President Trump when he actually when he went over after the EPA, right? You actually saw there was actually less pollution. There was actually less carbon emissions during the first two years of Trump's presidency after cutting the EPA and there being less regulation. Mm -hmm. So I don't think regulation is the answer to everything. But in this case, we'll go back to the evolving thing. Like I said prior, no matter what you do, if there is a trend or unemployment is increasing or decreasing to Mm me, that's great. Now I do think there are some times that you can actually improve that process because sooner or later, the economy does go up and down. No matter what you say, it does go up and down. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something to consider that the economy does that on its own. No matter what you do, the economy is going to do it. You want to smooth it out, right? That it's not a big high and a so low, low, like in the Great Depression. But there's something like in a study, for example at UCLA I talked about the fact that actually a lot of the Great New Deal policies extended the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. All of these government hands-on mm-hmm. regulations that went into the economy this very Keynesian style of economic policy, it actually prolonged that. So we don't know, I, mean, I don't have all the numbers to look at. I would argue it may have, I don't know. I'm not an economics major, that's not my strong shooting either. Same year I suck at that. But, level, but. but that's something to consider. And that's what I would say to that, that it may have, have not. I am not looking at the, I guess I'm not looking at the numbers now, but, but like I said, the numbers went down, that's great. Could have been improved. I would say so. Um but we saw what Trump when it I mean it dipped. So and, and my another thing I would consider consider as well or point out is the fact that the day that President Trump won the presidency back in 2016, the stock market confidence mm-hmm. went up. Why? Why would the stock market confidence go up? Because they knew that there was someone that was actually going to be good for the economy for the stock market for business hillary clinton was going to be a disastrous president especially speaking economic wise wanting to grow obamacare and that was another thing that trump did cutting that individual mandate he said you don't have to do that anymore you don't get you don't get insurance you're fine you won't get fined that was a big win for him there too but going back to that deal. Stock market went up because they realized here's Trump, here's a businessman. And everyone was thinking, well, he's a businessman. Maybe it was, maybe it was a factor. But people trust the fact that, you know what, we got some coming in that's going to be good for the economy. I think that helped
0: lowered it, it dipped it even lower than what the trend was. I will give you, are we good there? Yeah. Okay, I think we can move on. Um, I will give you a choice between two topics. Okay. Um, actually let's start with something i know we both agree with because I, I want i want to kind of change directions a little bit. i want to go with something i know we agree with okay you know where to go but gun control yeah let's 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 kind of lighten it up a little bit <laughs> and talk about something i know we give me your perspective on gun controls i'll let you rant just just yeah go.
1: well obviously this administration has been <clears throat> disastrous concerning individual rights, and one of those individual rights is the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. The Second Amendment was not written to give us the ability to bear arms, it was written to stop the government from taking away our God-given right to own and bear arms. Plain and simple. And the fact that they this administration wants to buy back guns, mandatory or not, if you want to take away someone's gun, that is the definition of a tyrannical government. When you disarm the populace, that's how you, that's how you know there's going to be a government takeover, because you disarm the populace. And, 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 and believe me, it's, when Fidel Castro did it, he wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do your guns. You know what he says? He says the same thing that the left has been saying I'm going to give you free this, free that. And little by little, you start taking away the rights. And once in a bunch of rights, you know what it is? Gun rights—we've seen it in Venezuela, we've seen it in Cuba, we've seen it in Germany with with Nazi Germany. It's a it's a trend, and there was a reason why the far as There were smart guys; they weren't perfect, but they were smart guys. And since they said, "Listen, we have to write this down because it's so imperative. It's it's such a it's something that it's non-questionable that we have to write it down to stop the government from ever
0: overbearing." overreaching its powers concerning gun rights you know one of the things that i said in in keeping with my moderate centrist stance um i i've made this statement um a few times and it seems to to just kind of blow people um away and i'm starting to forget what it is <laughs> crap! You're gonna put that word
1: in there too. Put what word? That word? What crap? Yeah, that's not <laughs> so, a cuss word. So, what the heck? So, um, so, so,
0: so. No, I mean, like, yeah, I I agree. People people should be able to to bear arms. I don't I don't want that right to uh, be infringed. Okay, I know exactly where I was going. So, uh, this is this is where my centrism confuses the heck out of people because I've, I've literally, I've told an individual this, and I, I wanna avoid being insensitive. I wanna avoid it as much as possible um, because I know that there are victims of mass shootings out there and mm-hmm. things like that. I, I mean this in the most sensitive way possible uh, because they probably would not agree with me. There are some actually that I know for a fact that would agree with me. Um, I understand the fear of a mass shooting. I think we all do. Uh, that's our culture now it's kind of like how we live in a post 9-11 world. We have a fear of terrorism just kind of from birth um, Now we're growing up in a world where we kind of have a fear of some dude walking in a store with a assault rifle or with a pistol or whatever and saying Oh, I'm gonna let loose um, You know just last year here at the school um, there was a white supremacist organization that was advertising on campus um, and that that was pretty, oh, dang that voice cracked. <clears throat> anyway, that was pretty, pretty concerning to me because they were a known violent group. <laughs> Those are people that don't want people that look like me walking around. Uh, they don't think I should be here. And that is concerning. and I will be honest with you, I began to be way more vigilant of where I went after that, of mass gatherings, be it in chapel, or whatever it was, for fear that somebody would come in and try to do something stupid. I would always look for the exit once I walked in in chapel. That's just my attitude. I have a bit of a militant attitude in that sense sense to make sure I could get out of the building quickly if somebody decided to come in with a a rifle or whatever and shoot up all the black people or whatever that group might have wanted to do. That was a real concern to me. But I will look you in the eye. I'm not actually looking that I will, I will tell you straight up, that that fear does not cause me to want to take away another person nor my right to to bear arms and effective arms, to own an AR-15 or an AK-47 or some variant, to, to own an assault rifle or whatever it may be that you choose to arm yourself with based on your situation. That fear does not deter me from from standing up for that right. I I don't understand what it's like to be in that situation, so I wanna be sensitive. I'm not addressing individuals that have been in a, a shooting situation. I'm just saying I, I understand the fear of such a situation, the prospect of such a situation happening, and that does not deter me. Now, where my centrism kind of messes people up is, yeah, I just acknowledge white supremacy and a whole like that actually created some fear. I'm acknowledging that issue um, in the fear that it can create. Um, And I acknowledge that that we do have an issue with racism in our country that we need to address and fix. But at the same time, I am going to stand up for the second amendment um, despite uh, threats coming from either that direction or just crazy people with guns Um, that go and do crazy evil things and harm people. Um, I I don't believe that that right should be stripped away. Uh, I also look at the national, I mean, sorry, at the Second Amendment from a national security point of view. Um, Other countries in the world do not arm their people. We have two oceans that separate us, but we are in a a world now where those oceans are not as protective as they used to be. Um, One of the deterrents from any sort of land invasion of the United States would probably be the fact that millions of its people are armed to the teeth. That's a national security factor. I probably wouldn't voluntarily eliminate that in the world that we live today. Are people armed like we are in China or in Russia? I don't know about Russia, actually. I don't know how their gun laws work, but I, I doubt it. I highly doubt it. Um, that, that is a major national security factor in, in our favor. And I think to eliminate that would, would actually pose a threat in today's world where we have so many threats and so many people that want to see the United States disappear, um, that would want to do harm to us and our people. Um, to, to see Americans become disarmed is actually kind of a scary prospect. Um but but yeah, that that's that's kind of do you have any opinions on what I just said there?
1: No, I, I agree. We, we we need to stand on the same. I think the biggest thing we have to remember is saying that you're for gun rights does not mean that you're for people shooting up schools. Those are yeah. they're non sequiturs and I hate when people say that because it is not true. Just because we agree that someone should have, someone should have the right to bear arms, that all of a sudden that means that we're okay with people having guns. Here's the biggest thing. When someone owns an arm, right? We want the good guy to own a gun too, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, of course, how people get these guns, some people obtain it. The thing is, even if you make it illegal, let's say, let's say you know what? No one can have a gun anywhere in this country. Cool, you got all the guns. Let's say you do that. Well, what happens when this criminal goes to the black market and gets a gun? Well, no one's armed now. Cuz th- that's what I think people are going to do. If they yes, if they, they will, well,
0: that's what that's what's going to happen. Open frenzy.
1: open frenzy on all the people because now, you know what? <clears throat> They're not armed anymore. That's the biggest thing that I being peer than our Shore or like the statistic that says over 97% of school shootings or, or mass shootings are in gun-free zones, whether at stores, schools, you name it. Gun-free zones. Why? Because we don't tell them. If you put at the front door that says, you know what, we have armed teachers, we have armed police staff, and we have armed students, and you come here with a gun, we will shoot you dead. Believe me, you would have way less school students. Believe me, because no person going go in there knowing, knowing that a teacher has a gun, or a student has a gun, or a pol- policeman have a gun, or police people, policemen have guns. They will not go in there.
0: that that's a policy that i I personally wouldn't be too cavalier with um i can understand training certain staff in the school to permit them to carry a gun in the school um i would understand um okay i i could understand uh you know having security personnel on hand in the school be a police officer or whomever it might be but um not sure i would you know let students show up with guns um that that would probably be a no-go for me so even in
1: college campuses you wouldn't allow me to have a concealed carry i'm a student are we not students at college campus i meant that more in public school a public and even more reason
0: If, if i go to ou if i go to OU. no no i'm saying a a a public k-12 school okay okay that's that's, that's, that's what i'm talking okay, okay. about um in a college environment maybe a little bit different with that at least have a concealed carry permit it, you need to be trained to use that firearm um i would not want an untrained individual walking around with one just because i i handle firearms often well with the recent ammo shortage not not much but i mean i, I have a lot of experience around firearms especially pistols, which is what somebody would be concealed carrying. Um, if you have an untrained person that does not understand what they're using and how to use it, they don't understand that, you know, you have a backdrop behind what you're shooting, for example. So, yeah, you might have a bad guy, but you got people behind the bad guy. Um, if you don't understand the fundamentals of shooting a pistol, which is completely different than a rifle, you know, a twitch in your finger pool, I mean, in your, in your trigger pool, could drastically change the tra- the trajectory of the of the projectile. If you don't understand how to manage those factors under stress, I'm gonna say no <laughs> to that. Um, at, le- at least at a private school where where the decision is is up to the well, institution. Well, that's up to the
1: school, but if I say, a public um, university like OU, where you have tons of students, I think there should be something. That allows for students to con- at
0: least conceal carrying. I think you have to be trained to do it. I I I think you need if you're going to do it, you need to be willing to be trained. That 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 would be my regulation there. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm saying you need to be trained. Yeah, obviously with every gun sale, I think you need to have thorough background checks. Um, and I'm not going to change my stance on that. Thorough um, these background checks. I I really. Look, man, you need to be trained how to use the thing, because you're gonna end up killing the good guy trying to get the bad guy, or just being completely unproductive and getting shot because he can't shoot. Um, that's that is a real, real concern. An untrained person with a firearm is a terrifying thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I used to do jujitsu, and a, a common analogy I see on like jujitsu social media and stuff like that is a black belt with bad intentions is. Is a whole lot less threatening than a white belt with good intentions because it happens a lot like when you start jiu-jitsu you're freaked out and you got a lot of energy and you're scared and you want to defend yourself and you think you're about to die and some guy's like trying to choke you well that white belt that's freaking out not knowing what they're doing has a whole lot of potential to actually hurt you that's how I got hurt yeah <laughs> in jiu-jitsu yeah you know, I was also a white belt but I was you know, sparring with somebody that rolling somebody that um had absolutely no experience in the martial art at all i got hurt because the dude was going crazy <laughs> um so that that is a to me that's a terrifying prospect you you should be willing to be trained and to have some level of proficiency with the arm that you were that you're holding um if, if you're gonna carry it I, I don't know do you how do you feel about that Sure, it a dream but I think the biggest thing at the end of the day is that we need to start allowing people
1: to have arms on schools. That if you want to stop school shootings, get on ar- get it armed properties, armed teachers, armed students, armed police force, and you will have you will see a
0: decrease in yeah.
1: school shootings or even mass shootings.
0: That's, I'd say that's an area where we have a little bit of friction in the topic, but I think we both, you know, generally agree the second amendment is very important. Um, Jonathan, we have talked for an hour and twenty two minutes now about various different topics um i think it's probably probably a good time to, to cut it out you got you got a lot to of close care. we got a lot of material here um like i said i really appreciate jonathan um i really appreciate you man for for taking the time to sit down and talk about these topics and be transparent and we're both being pretty vulnerable here cuz i mean we're telling people about our kind of some of our deep-seated beliefs here. Um, I know there's a whole lot more that we could talk about. Let um, we only kind of scratch the surface here, mm-hmm. but um, no, I really appreciate you. Appreciate so thank you, you. do you yeah. have anything? No. I appreciate like it, so? thank
1: you for having me. Great discussion, civil discussion, so yeah that's, definitely do it more times. Yeah,
0: That's the biggest thing here, is we're, we're trying to show people civil discussion. As you can see, me and Jonathan disagree in some areas very, very much. Um, but even we're able to, right here, just have a calm, civil discussion and even find areas where we agree with each other where we didn't think we would. Um, so...